Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Andrew Shopto, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. Tara Wilman still out uh, on assignment, as they say in the radio biz. So we are bringing in David Jones. You'll find him on Twitter at iPopEditor. Uh, David, thanks for joining me tonight. Oh, it's great to be here, and it's great to chat out on some Big Macs, thanks to Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> hey, there you go. See, and I have not had a chance to actually watch any of tonight's game, but apparently that's where the that's where the first home run landed, huh? Oh, yes. Very quick. Very quick out of the gate. Uh, one pitch and gone. Cardinals came out with a great game plan tonight, just attacking that first pitch, and I guess we have to give the offense a little credit there. You got to like that. You got to like the fact that, you know, they put up 13 runs using the the new guys and the old guys and everything like that. And I guess that just begs the question then, David, why can't they do this every night? It seems like we're get, you know, it's really, as we use the term quite often, it's really feast or famine with this group. It is. And I can't figure out what's going on. I've been trying to even think like, what is the identity of this team? And yes, good defense. Uh, you've got some good base running, but offensively it just makes no sense. And, uh, like like you said, we see this explosion that happens tonight, and you're thinking, wow, you know, I wish this Little League thing could happen all the time. And you see Wednesday, the same thing happened. I think they were mm-hmm. like 5 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Yep. And then the rest of the week, they're like 3 for 17. And it, it just doesn't make any sense. You just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and I mean, baseball is a game like that, of course. You know, that not everybody is hitting all at the same time, but... It, it feels like it's been this way, well, forever <laughs> to some degree, but definitely the last two or three years, right? We sit here and we talk about how bad they are and they're never going to get a hit. And then they blow up with this 10 run game. And then, then we say, well, you should have saved some runs because they go two or three games without um, scoring a run, which given that they're going to New York and facing that pitching staff may happen again. But, <laughs> you know, it, it just – I think there's be nice to figure out, and I'm sure that Jeff Albert has worked on this quite a bit, trying to figure this out as well as as the whole team has. Just that consistency. I mean, the, these kind of games are nice, but I think we would take a lot more four or five run games uh, with some wins, and then rather the the 13 runs and then the no runs. No doubt. And what what's confused me is like you had Friday. They only struck out one time, which that's mm-hmm. pretty amazing for 2022 to only strike out one time in a game. And yet they lost eight to two and they're just not making good contact. I actually texted a friend the other day that um, I felt like I was watching the early 90s Cardinals sometimes because if they get behind like three to one in the fourth inning, I feel like I can just turn it off because I'm like, this offense is not scoring two more runs tonight. There's yeah. just no clue. And I was I was kind of curious. I was killing some time the other day, and I got on Baseball Savant and started looking at just kind of like the overall numbers of hard hit percentage and exit average exit velocity. And it was really shocking. Like Goldschmidt and Edmund are about where you'd want them to be, but no one else on the team is even above the 50th percentile in either of those categories. Even hmm. Arenado has great numbers this year, but even his hard hit percentage and his average exit velocity, those numbers are below the 50th percentile. You start looking at the outfield, and it gets really ugly, uh, especially yeah. Carlson. Carlson's hard hit percentage, uh, he's in like the second percentile, and average exit velocity is like the sixth percentile. I mean, it's just some ugly, ugly stuff. And so even when they're making contact, it's just it's not good contact, which I was always told grow, grow, I was told growing up, you put the ball in play and good things will happen. Well, not necessarily, because a lot of times you're hitting into double plays or popping it up on the infield if you're not making good contact. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, there is something to be said for being aggressive, but you know, if they're throwing you know a pitch that's half a half a foot outside the zone, there's no reason to be swinging and trying to you know hit a number or stuff like that. I think we see that a lot with especially with Yachty, right? He he doesn't strike out, but he also <laughs> swings at some stuff that you know a problem is he doesn't strike out with runners on, <laughs> and so there's right. a double play ball. Um, yeah, it is. I'm trying to scroll through here. You're right. It does feel like this team will put up if this team doesn't put up like three runs in the first inning, you just don't know what you don't expect them to put three runs up in a game. It, it's yeah. all or nothing. It, it's it, it, and it, it comes early. I don't think we've seen, I'm sure there's been some, but it doesn't feel like there's been a whole lot of games where they've been down four to one in the fifth and come back to win. No, no. Yeah. It seems like, and I felt like we saw this early last year. If they were down mm-hmm. early, you could turn off the game and nothing was happening. And then you fast forward to like that 17 game win streak. You know, you could, they might be down four runs to the Cubs in the seventh inning. And you're thinking, yeah, they still got this. This is still going to happen. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. it's feast or famine with the team. And, and hopefully with the weather getting a little hotter, the team starts getting a little hotter and the ball starts flying out. But I, you just never know what you're going to get, except once the game starts, you have a pretty good idea what you're going to get for the next nine innings. Yeah, it does seem like it. You're right. And it wasn't just the winning strand, I mean, because I think sometimes we say that and it's like, well, yeah, that was just a magical time. But, you know, April or April and or not April, August and September last year, I think even with even those games, a couple of games that they would lose or something like that, you felt like they weren't out of it. it it's amazing that it took them that long to flip a switch. And here we are searching for that switch again. You're right. Maybe <laughs> the weather heating up will help. Um, maybe it's just, you know, I don't know what how many they've played home and away. Um, and they've run into some good pitching. I mean, they've already placed the Mets. They're about to face the Mets again. Um, it, it doesn't – I'm sure there's been some. There's been a couple of games this year. But it doesn't feel quite as much like it used to where some no-name pitcher was always going to shut them down. It seems like they've run into some good pitching and struggle with it like most people do. Um, they just haven't necessarily just obliterated bad pitching like they could. Yeah, and and I know that Jeff Albert becomes the one that everybody points the finger at, but mm-hmm. Jeff Albert was the same guy that was there last year when they were when the bats were hot. And right. it's just you wouldn't think that they would end the season so hot and then start cold again and you can point the finger at the same guy. I I, I don't know. When when you see no one on the team or at least most of the players in the starting lineup aren't hitting well, it kind of makes you wonder, okay, maybe it is the hitting coach. Maybe it's the hitting philosophy. Mm -hmm. And then especially when Yepes and Donovan come up and start crushing the ball, or at least just getting on base, you start wondering, okay, what was going on in Memphis that wasn't going on in the majors? I I really don't know what the answer is. I just know Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating to watch sometimes. And then there's nights like tonight where it's like, man, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, Jeff Albert's been given this, you know, overarching portfolio to work on the minor leagues, right? The philosophy is supposed to be consistent. So if you're seeing minor leaguers come up and doing it, you know, that's a little bit of point in his favor. Maybe it's just not something that's taking with the major leaguers. Who knows? I don't know. And the baseball is this kind of game. I'm sure that will always have some variety in, in how they do it, but um, it is, I mean, it's a lot of fun when you have it tonight. There's no doubt about that. Um, but trying to, you know, deal with it on the, you know, ride that roller coaster every, every week um, gets a little nerve wracking at times. 
Yeah, and I will have to say, whoever put together tonight's game plan, and I would guess Jeff Albert was part of that, Dirt deserves major credit because the Cardinals came out and they were jumping all over first pitches and they were just crushing the ball. They were hitting those hanging sliders. They weren't waiting for late in the count. And that's why they were put they put up double-digit runs because they came out and attacked. And the game plan tonight was just perfect. Yeah, I don't think you would have ever expected, you know, when Carlos Rondon is starting on the other side, for them to put up eight runs against him at all, much less in less than four innings. Um, so you're right. It, it's, 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 a, it's a lineup. It's a team that has so much potential. They just can't quite unlock it all. And it's going to be interesting now that we've seen significant change in the lineup this week, right? Paul DeYoung goes down to Memphis. Um, it, a move that pro- that needed to be made. It was obviously that something that, that something needs to happen with Paul DeYoung. And you've got Brendan Donovan, you've got now Edmundo Sosa playing shortstop. Is is just that replacement, do you think, is that enough of a trigger to maybe get a little bit more consistency? Consistency, yes. Does it push the needle to where it needs to go? I, I don't know. Um, I, I hate this, but I understand it. I, I hate this for Paul DeYoung because I think I, I read his apology that like he sent out Katie Wu put out his apology and like, yeah. he was like apologizing. I'm thinking like, man, no, this is like the apology you send for like getting caught with PEDs. Like you, you don't exactly. need to apologize for just struggling as a baseball player. And I felt bad, but something had to be done. I don't long-term, I don't know if Donovan or so, and I say long-term I'm talking rest of the season, I don't know if those guys move the needle enough. I mean, I know there's already the rumors out there about a Xander Bogarts trade or something like that, and that's you're playing fantasy baseball when you start looking into that. But right. I, 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 I'm not convinced that the offense gets a lot better. I think it gets better and more consistent, and maybe even with this Sunday night game, we might be seeing that with Sosa in the lineup, and also, I hate to say it, but with Tyler O'Neill out of the lineup. Um, but for me... Those two guys, I think they are solid players. I just it doesn't move the needle enough for me to think that this could be the long term answer. It, yeah, that's fair. The, but the difference in, as you said, even just a replacement level player, which maybe Donovan and Sosa are, and maybe they're better. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, given the fact that where Paul DeYoung was, you know, that is an upgrade. But you're right. Is it enough? We'll see. Um, the, the the case of Tyler O'Neill is is fairly fascinating, isn't it? I mean, he's he's talking the good game. He's talking about how he's coming around and things of that nature. But it's also very interesting to note that you know he had yesterday off. He has today off. It's he had uh, one of the games against the Orioles off. They seem to be still working with him, trying to get him to un you know unlock whatever he had last year. Um, you know, his, his arbitration hearings behind him now, he's admitted to that weighing on him. Do you think there's any hope for Tyler O'Neill to turn it around and look a little bit more like the guy we saw last year? I have more confidence in him turning it around than I do in DeYoung. Uh, I, I mm. think because we have seen O'Neill go through these streaks where he can just be just um, both where he can hit nothing and these streaks where no one can get him out and he's hitting the ball like 500 feet. I I have confidence that he can get back. Um, I'm always fascinated by listening to Jim Edmonds pick apart people's swing. And he seems to look at O'Neal's swing and like right away he can figure out like three things that, oh, he's doing this, this, and this. And if he changes that, he'll have a better swing. And it sounded like this weekend that Edmonds was kind of saying that O'Neal looks like he's taking better swings. He's adjusted. He's coming along. 
So that makes me hopeful that he is kind of getting back to where he needs to be because we're not used to seeing him be way behind on 93 mile per hour fastballs over the plate. So I, I am hopeful that something is coming along and we don't need him to be a 320 hitter, but if he could get back to just being an average hitter with lots of pop and, and play that great outfield, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everybody's got, a, of course, you know, it helps when you hit, you know, when you're ninth in MVP voting the year before or something, whatever he was, <laughs> yeah. you know, people going to give you a little bit more uh, leeway than if you've struggled for the last three years, like, uh, like Paul DeYoung has. Um, but I agree. I think there's ages on his side. Um, and it does feel like if he, he, he'll probably find something and then have like a two week stretch where they can't get him out. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just feels like that hot stretch is, is coming. Um, it just where I just think it's very interesting. Maybe it's uh, as the managerial approach perhaps as well. Right. I mean, if Tyler O'Neill struggled like this last year, I feel like he still would be out there every day, right? But Marmol seems to be doing a better I don't know, better job, but a, at least a different job of, of approaching some of these guys that are struggling, giving them days off, getting them to, you know, a day to just work in the cage or whatever the case may be. Um, I feel like we've seen a lot more of that than just running out the same guys and figuring they have to figure it out somewhere along the way. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, you do see some... I guess quick hooks is mm-hmm. is the way I'd say that. It's, well, mainly for position players. Uh, and I think also if... If only maybe one of DeYoung or O'Neal, or even you would throw Carlson in there, although I think he's getting better. If only you only have one guy struggling, um, then it, it, it looks a whole lot better, even for that particular guy, because you can, like right now, the Cardinals are missing O'Neal and DeYoung's defense. And right. we know how great O'Neal is with defense. I think DeYoung is incredibly underrated. I mean, even though he hasn't been playing, he's still second among shortstops and defensive runs saved. Um, he is a very good defensive shortstop. And so right now, you're missing missing two guys who could potentially have gold gloves out there in your defense because their bats just aren't doing it. And so I think if, if, if O'Neill is hitting, then you're not missing DeYoung as much if he's out there. If DeYoung's hitting, you know, same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that when you have multiple guys like this who are struggling, I think Yepes and I think Donovan have probably stolen them one or two wins so far this year, just with the way they've been hitting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the case. It's very interesting to see, you know, we, we've talked about it in the past about, you know, way back when Colton Wong, he struggled when he came up and it was like, if it was only him, you let it go because of the defense. And you just like everybody, well, it was like that idea, right, that Yachty Berlina could hit, hit zero for the season and they'd still put him out there. But that's fine if he's your only black hole, right? But when you've got two or three of those guys, you've got to have somebody that can hit to, you know, it doesn't, you know, all the defense in the world doesn't help because you can't win a game zero to negative one. Um, you've got to put some runs up there. So, well, the, the, the pirates and reds almost tried to do that today. They did. That's true. That's, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, you don't have to hit to win. You do have to score to win. Uh, that was, uh, I mean, I tell you, I mean, <laughs> reds, reds have actually, am I right though? They were like, they're like six and one or something in their last little stretch. They actually put some wins together, they but have, yeah, it, it feels like if there's something that's going to go wrong this year for a team, it's going to be for the Reds. That's, that's fascinating. Really, really is. And I, boy, it's, of course, I've always thought it's going to be tough to be a Pirates fan, but this year Reds fans may have, uh, have a run for their money right there. Absolutely. Uh, me. Well, we do have, uh, you know, again, 
Cardinals are up now 14 to two because they're in the, in the, they've decided to wave the white flag on the pitching staff and bring in the outfielder to pitch. Uh, the giants have Cardinals. were going to win, you know, knock on all sorts of wood, but I think you're all right to say this Cardinals went two out of three against the giants. And, you know, they, they split with them last weekend, but really could have probably at least won three or four. Um, it's really amazing as much as we've seen this team kind of struggle and kind of try to find its identity. They've been able to play with some of the bigger teams and, and, Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, they're they're competitive. Um, I, I think what we're seeing is the same thing we hear people complain about all year. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. They're just not a great team. Uh, it, right. the, kind of that good enough mentality, like, you know, we can get to the playoffs, but, and then, you know, that might be the end of it. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at stuff like, I think they're like 11th in average in the majors right now, 15th in OPS. 13th and slugging and you, you see him on the field and you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's what we're seeing. They're, they're good. They're competing. They're just not dominating. They're not 15 games over 500, but you know, they're, they're good. They're, and that's kind of about the best I can say right now. It's, it's entertaining baseball for the most part, but plenty of frustrations along the way as well. Yeah. It's, I'm hopeful it helps that Milwaukee hasn't, you know, like torn out of the gate or anything of that nature. Right. So, yeah, you know, there's still a very good chance of them winning the division. Um, but it, you know, is with the two, is this a team? And again, we're talking about this mid May. So we've still got uh, what two months to two and a half months to, to worry about it. But is this a team, do you think, that the Cardinals are going to look at and want to invest in at the trade deadline? Are they going to say it's Molina, it's Wainwright, maybe, and it's Pujols' last year, we're going to really push for it? Are we going to make some, you know, like you mentioned, the Bogarts trade or something of that nature and really go for it? Are they going to say, well, you know, it's a good team, but it's going to take too much to make it a great team, so we'll just get to the playoffs and see what happens? I don't know. Is there another... Wade LeBlanc out there that can get the Cy Young for the team. Uh, you know, that's the thing. You Wade LeBlanc's know. still out there, so I guess. That is true. Uh, Hap, I think, is still the, Yeah, Lester could come yeah, back. Yeah. Who knows? Um, sure. Uh, I I don't know. Um, that's a, I, I can never understand what the front office is thinking. Because, um, you know, they get criticized a lot for not making those trade deadline deals. But then you see a Goldschmidt and Arenado come over kind of in the off seasons. I think people forget about those trades. Uh, and this team has made some pretty good trades. I mean, bringing in O'Neill was a great trade. Um, they've acquired some, some really, really good bats and good arms, but they're not necessarily trade deadline deals. And so people kind of scoff at that. So I, I don't know, as the summer goes along, I, I, I think they have the prospects. Um, I, I don't want to see them give away one of the top four guys, but Mm-hmm. I think they do have some major league talent and some minor league talent that they could use to get a, a big bat if that's what they need. But I don't know if they will. What do you think about that? I don't know. I Except for shortstop now. I don't know who they would necessarily want to displace, especially on the offensive side, right? I mean, I can't see, even if they all struggled, they're so young. I can't really see them necessarily going out and get an outfielder that's going to take over away playing time from O'Neill or Carlson or Bader. I, I, I have trouble with that, especially when you've got, you know, Yepes is playing out there. Some new bars in the minors. 
I, I don't know that they would go that way. Um, you know, and then, you know, can they shore up the pitching staff? What does that look like? Especially when Jack Flaherty comes back, you know, where, and I think that's kind of the problem that the Cardinals have had for a number of years. And I've, I've talked about it a little bit before it's, it's that they've got a very high level, high floor and a high way of being good that it makes it hard to upgrade the team mm-hmm. without where, you, where do you replace? I mean, again, right now, shortstop's the glaring hole. So you could do something there maybe. And there is a shortstop on the free agent market, but other than that, I don't know where they go at except to go get that, you know, middle reliever or back end starter that can kind of be a swing man, unless there's an injury, and hopefully there's not. Um, but I do think that I think they're going to try to do something, probably if necessary. I just I hope that they don't look at it and say, okay, you know, July first, we're two games behind Milwaukee that's good enough. We can probably catch them. We don't have to do much. I hope that they look at it and say, we're, you know, we're 10 games behind the Dodgers or whatever the case may be. We need to, we need to do something a little bit more aggressive, but that's not necessarily been their, you know, way they do things. Yeah. And I think you make a really good point about shortstop and the position there. Uh, And one of the things that I think could also make them more inclined to make that move is there's no shortstop in waiting. I, I guess Mason Wynn is probably the closest future starter because I, I don't have much uh, trust in Delvin Perez so I think you're probably looking at Mason Wynn being there and he's probably at least two maybe three maybe four years away before he could actually take over that role and that's if he becomes big league talent so it, it could make sense to grab a guy who either is just going to finish off this year or either maybe grab somebody that's going to have an extra year or two there don't know who's available um, I know it's you always hear the see the people on the message boards that are saying like you know why don't they trade Paul DeYoung for Mike Trout? And you're like, well, what are you what are you paying attention to? Like, in what world does that make sense? And so, it is fun to toss around the scenarios, but you know, Bogarts may be out there. I don't know if somebody like Dansby Swanson could be there if Atlanta starts fading. Um, but yeah, that you're right. That is about the only hole that you would fill, unless you're looking rotation or or bullpen at some point, which. I do wonder that you made me think, I wonder how much longer the team sticks with TJ McFarland. Um, yeah. There could be a, a hole as far as uh, needing a lefty there. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of feel like, I mean, McFarland shows just enough here and there to be like, okay, you can't, you know, about the time you're ready to get rid of him, he'll go in and like tonight and throw a perfect inning or whatever the case may be. You're like, okay, maybe there's something I, I'm really very interested to see what's going to happen when Jack Flaherty comes back, which again could be what mid June could be later, but at some point in time, hopefully he comes back and then, you know, what does that do to the rotation? Are they, you know, if, if Jordan Hicks has established himself as he has so far, you know, how do you, do you go to a six man rotation? Do you, you know, I have troubles imagining them kicking out to go to Hudson from that mix um, even though I always get a little iffy on Dakota Hudson, um, you know, how, how does that work out? And again, baseball sometimes finds a way to, to work these things out. But, you know, if, if all those guys are healthy and pitching the way that they expect them to, I don't, I don't know what that rotation looks like when Flaherty comes back. Yeah. And you said baseball seems to work these things out. And, uh, I was kind of thinking that and almost chuckling to myself because, if the Cardinals history tells us anything, 
there's never going to be a point where they have six healthy starters and this is an issue that they have to face. Um, when Flaherty comes back, we're more likely looking at like three guys on the DL for like the most random stuff you've ever heard of. Um, but hey, if that happens, I, I'll take a good problem to have. Um, mm-hmm. you, I just you, I hold my breath every time Wainwright goes out there. Um, age is not on his side, but his curveball still is. Sure. And so I'm good with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Miles Michaelis, man, he's looking like wow. a Cy Young winner right now if the health stays arid. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe that guy is Hudson that gets displaced. Uh, wouldn't be terrible getting a ground ball pitcher in the bullpen, some guy that can come in and get double plays or go two or three innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's Hicks if the control issues don't get a little bit better. Um, just I, I don't know. Um, but hey, I'll, I'll take that problem if that becomes an issue. Um, if they need to trade for a starter and have seven healthy starters. I'm okay with that because yeah, you can't put a price on health right now. Not at all. Not at all. So we were talking about, you know, the one big gaping hole perhaps that this team has, depending on how Donovan and Zosa play is shortstop. You know, there is one other option that has been bandied about quite a bit. And that is moving Tommy Edmond over there and promoting Nolan Corman who hit his, I think what his 14th home run mm-hmm. yesterday or something of that nature. What are your what are your thoughts? Is it time for Gorman? Are you a little bit surprised they haven't pulled that trigger, or do you kind of understand it? I, I completely understand it. Now, when he was hitting like three thirty four, I was kind of saying, okay, it, it's time. It makes sense. Let's do it. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. quite sure who you send down at that point, but I thought, okay, yeah, let's bring him up. My thinking at that point was it was more like a Corey Dickerson thing, like, hey, let's let Gorman be the DH when they're facing right-handers. Maybe – Dickerson's just not that guy. He just needs to be the fourth outfielder. As the month mm-hmm. of May has gone along, um, I think I, I looked earlier uh, with today's performance, Gorman's average is like 200 in the month of May. His on-base percentage is like, it's like 0.286. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. And his strikeout rate is still sitting at 40% for the month of May. And so I'm seeing mm-hmm. that. And I think, I think it was Brian Walton I heard talking about this he said that they've realized that um, his weakness right now is the slider. And until he can learn to hit the slider, he will not be ready to face big league pitching. And I thought, you know, if he's having trouble with that at triple a, you bringing up him up to the big leagues, he's going to see slider, 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 going to throw everything off the plate. And yep. I could see how that could frustrate a guy. Um, so I, I I'm in the camp right now where I say he's going to get his chance. He's going to get his time. It's just not time yet spend time in Memphis, play every single day, work on that defense and, and see what comes. Um, I, I think Edmund can probably play anywhere out there. I prefer him at second base because he is a gold glover there. Now maybe he could win a gold glove at shortstop, but we know what he's already proven at, but I, I I'm in the camp. Let's give it some time with Gorman. Don't rush the man. Um, I mean, he's still really, really young. He's ahead of where he should be. Let's just be patient. I know that's not fun to say in baseball that's not great for a podcast to say yeah just everybody hold your horses but that's where i'm at what's your take on it well and that's kind of we had this discussion on on meet me usual friday night um but I'm, I'm the same way i think that not only do you have all those issues and you know baseball as you said you know not only would they throw sliders sliders that's that's pretty much what they're doing now anyway right we you know, if you look at what they were throwing Paul DeYoung over this last, that's a, you know, somebody that I'd looked at quite a bit, but you know, his looking at fastballs, he was down to almost 50% or just slightly over 
versus, you know, 60 or 70% just a couple of years ago. People that, you know, they don't throw fastballs as much as they used to. So yeah, he's going to see that stuff. But I, I also look at, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want, I don't think he has the, the profile to be that rookie savior, if you will. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of high profile guys struggle as they come up. I mean, some, you know, some people forget even Mike Trout in his first, you know, run up in, in 11 or whatever it was, looked human before he didn't anymore. Um, if if the team was going well, I think it would be more likely to bring him up, right? So it's like we were saying, you don't worry about that one spot in the lineup or something. You just give him a chance to get easy. If you bring him up while, you know, while everybody's struggling and look to him to be this big thumper, um, I just, I'm afraid that doesn't go well and, and maybe stunt some development. Yeah. And let me throw this out to you. Um, I had not even thought about this and I heard Danny Mac talk about this and I found this really intriguing, but there's been all this talk about the baseball is not Mm -hmm. the same this year that it it feels like you're hitting like a rolled up sock. It's not going as far, just kind of feels like a junk ball. Danny Mac was saying that at triple a, they're using a different baseball and it seems Mm -hmm. to be the baseball that they've used in years past. He was wondering if you get somebody like Gorman that comes up who's been crushing home runs and suddenly he's hitting the ball, what he thinks is really hard with this junk ball. And it's suddenly dropping 10 feet in front of the warning track. He was wondering, does that also mess with a kid's confidence when, you know, you've got all the strikeouts piling up and then suddenly what you think is a home run is becoming a pop out. Do you think that could also play some type of psychological factor? And maybe that's one reason why the Cardinals are holding back a little bit. I think that's very possible as well. Um, besides the fact that if the Cardinals realize that there are a different ball in play, which I think they do. I mean, if that's the case, which it probably is because baseball, why should baseball standardize their baseballs? Because that would just make no sense. Um, then they probably realize, look, not only is it psychologically bad for him, he's not going to produce like he did in the minor league. So why are we bringing him up there now? Again, they're going to get caught in this spot here pretty soon where they're going to have to do something with him, whether it's promoting or trading. Um, but that's still a ways off. I, I agree. I, I could easily see that, you know, because you're right. A guy trying to make his adjustment to the major leagues doesn't need, you know, the stuff that he knew used to work, not work anymore, and then have to try to question his whole approach. Um, he's going to have enough trouble, you know, just identifying and, and just trying to play his game without having to change his game. Yeah. And I, I hope they've said that maybe when, when things start heating up that we may see the ball from last year kind of reappear, not necessarily changing Mm -hmm. it, but just because of the heat and the, the humidor and all that, that we may see the ball start flying a little bit more. And I thought, you know what, if he works on his hitting, he starts hitting that slider. um, He's not striking out as much, you know, maybe June or July, it makes perfect sense due to an injury or just the way he's playing to bring him up. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see a reason to rush him at this point. Cause you really don't want to stunt that development. Um, the Cardinals have a, they have some really good hitters in the system right now and triple a and double a and even high a right now. And, um, I am okay waiting on those guys because I think the ball club they have right now should win. Yeah, it should definitely. Um, it's a lineup that, you know, I was, there's, I've, have a there's a giants blog that i have helped uh, you know we've gone back and forth with uh, over the years and they're asking that and said look this lineup looks good why is it not hitting and i was like, well if i knew that i'd make a lot more money <laughs> um so yeah it, it looks like a lineup i think it's going to be very interesting also to watch you know 
you're right. There's a lot of big hitters coming in. And Jordan Walker may be pushing them all, right? I mean, he cool. has identified and adjusted to double A, I think, even faster than we could hope for. I mean, it feels like if if things keep going, he's at Memphis before the end of the year, which means, I mean, if you're at Memphis, you're knocking on the, I mean, you're at double A, you, you've got a chance, but, you know, if you're at Memphis, you're right there. Um, and that's going to make for, you know, you think people are clamoring for Gorman. Uh, just imagine what happens if that happens. I, I love watching Jordan Walker. I am such a Walker fan. Uh, he he reminds me of like when LeBron entered the NBA at 18, but LeBron looked like he was already like 35. Like you see Walker <laughs> at 19. It's like that is not a 19-year-old. No 19-year-old is built like that. I mean, he is just – he is built like a player. And I, I was a little worried. I don't want to say worried, but I was – curious why his power hadn't been there I mean his slash line looked great he was hitting the ball hard he just was not hitting the ball out of the ballpark and then this week my goodness I mean 400 plus shots that just just (laughs) no doubters and seeing him hit doubles to the gap that looked like just effortless oh he is going to be fun to watch for years to come and I I don't know what position he's going to play if he's going to be a DH and I don't care because this looks like a guy that I think he could be hitting 35 to 40 home runs and have a pretty good hit tool as well in the majors. I I think (laughs) baseball America bumped him up to number 20 overall on their prospect list, but like baseball perspective has him or prospectus has him like top 10. Now I think they're kind of ahead of the game and they're seeing where he's at. And man, I am excited. I thought he was a steal in the draft, but I did not expect him to rise like he has. Um, He's the reason I bought the uh, minor league baseball TV package. I thought I, I just want to watch this mm. guy hit and mash because he looks yeah. like a man among boys. It's it's really fun to see. Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty incredible, and you know I, I know that he's been on everybody's radar, but I think the idea of, that he could be here much quicker than anticipated is is becoming more and more likely. Uh, and that does make for some interesting decisions, especially when you get to, you know, trade deadline, you know, and not that you're trading him, but are you trading somebody that clears a spot for him? Are you trading for trading somebody else and then picking up a, a short-term guy, you know, lots of different things that could go on. Um, and he could, he could change the calculus pretty quickly. Um, and, and he feels like the biggest, well, he's the biggest prospect they've had since, uh, I mean, Tavares was obviously something, but even Tavares didn't necessarily have all this click like it does for Walker. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're looking. Are you going back to Pujols before? I mean, I mean, not that you want to compare him to a, a, a you know Hall of Famer, but when you look at the at the path, there's some similarities. Yeah, yeah hitting wise, I mean, he's ahead of where Carlson was. I mean, if you're talking hype. You're talking maybe Alex Reyes, who unfortunately mm-hmm. we didn't get great news on him today. But right. yeah, from a hitter standpoint, I I can't think of a hitter who was just that good and looked that elite at that age. Um, man, I, yeah, I think you're talking Pujols. And then you go back before that, you might be talking J.D. Drew. Yeah, um, yeah I, he, he is exciting to watch, and, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, 19. I mean, I'm thinking about like what I was doing at 19 – and I mean, he, he's murdering baseballs. It's just, yeah. it's so cool. And what I love to, um, if you say like, you know, you tweet anything out about him, anything 
just anything at all. Like his dad is like always quick to like retweet it and yeah. stuff like that. You can just see the yeah. proud parents. And I have to remind myself, mm-hmm. these are parents of a 19 year old. Like, I mean, this is their yeah. young son who they're watching do this at such a high level, but it, it just, it's so cool. It makes me smile. Cause you see the proud parents. They're just, they're so glad. So, so they're just enjoying the ride with their son right now. It's a fascinating part of this social media thing that we don't, wouldn't have had. 10 years or, you know, a generation beforehand or ever, you know, to, yeah, his dad's there. Uh, on Ipes's dad, I think is on there, you know, uh, Alec Burleson's, I think it's his mother is, is uh, on Twitter. Uh, a lot of these, these people that are, are able to share the ride, you know, the Hicks family is, is on Twitter. Uh, it, it's very interesting. Was about to wrap this up. We will here in a minute. Cause we have run a little bit longer than our normal, but Albert Pujols is on the mound, and we've got to talk about this. Um, how did this has got to be right that he went out and told he told Ollie, "I want to pitch." I, I mean, I've never done this, and if you're up fifteen to two, you let the Hall of Famer pitch, I guess. I yeah, um, yeah. I- because like you said, we're recording while the game is on, so I'm not actually watching it. But I just saw mm-hmm. that on the the game cast come up, and I thought somebody hit the wrong button because that's not happening. <laughs> um, but no, that that is number five on the mound right now. Um, imagine somebody telling you that about 12 years ago that you would one day see that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, that's when you know you're either winning by a lot or losing by a lot. But um, <laughs> I did not think we'd be talking but, about that tonight. No, not at all. I think this is just a, this is just like a, symbol perhaps of how much fun Albert Pujols is having this year. I think we have seen (laughs) him more loose, more, you know, jovial in the dugout. I mean, back when he was here in St. Louis, of course he was, you know, he had his fun and he'd have his moments where he would, you know, get excited and stuff, but he was focused on being the best he could be. Right. I mean, and that's, that's fair. But now that he knows it's his last ride, I mean, we have seen, you know, his interactions with Yachty, his interactions with Wayne Ho. You know, I've never, I don't think I have ever seen a player who is on the active roster, who's eligible to play, not be in uniform <laughs> like Albert has, right? I mean, because you'll see him in the red, you know, the red pullover or something like that. And then later on, he may go put his you know jersey on to actually play. But it's almost like he really is this kind of, coach you know slash you know guy just hanging out and okay occasionally he gets to play baseball too yeah it's and i've heard the media say that you know he that they didn't say he was difficult to deal with when he was a younger player but they like you said he was so focused that that's just you know almost tunnel vision and they said now it's a much different guy just hugs galore you know hey how's your family doing stuff like that um they said it's just just a much different guy and i mean and not only are we seeing it from albert but like Wainwright is calling a game with Bob Euchre while the Cardinals are playing. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking a guy that's on the active roster is up in the Milwaukee booth. I think it's cool to see. Um, I think it's good for the game of baseball. Even Harrison Bader being mic'd up tonight during the game, I thought was a good thing. But yeah, this is, and I mean, not only is Pujols pitching tonight and just having fun, but the guy's been on base like what, eight times tonight? Um, it yeah. just, yeah, we're seeing, I would say we're seeing classic Albert with the exception of Albert on the mound. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, 
throwing it's throwing curveballs according to game day, but I don't know if that's just the speed or, or what. That it's I, I think he's close to hitting. Uh, he he might knock Helsley out of his position. I think he's close to hitting that speed. If <laughs> um, yeah. we put two of them together, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that's just the. You know, we were getting we were getting to that point of, you know, Albert had that great what first couple weeks, right? Home run at home and you know hitting and all that, and then he he's tailed off, which is a, not too surprising given you know the nature of of where he's at. But just about the time we might be getting a little tired and like, oh, you know, should Albert play as much? And then he has one of these games where you're right, he he walked twice, he had two hits, he reached on an error, scored a bunch of runs and now is pitching um and i think i don't want to say buys him some goodwill because albert's got a ton of goodwill and everybody almost everybody is excited about having him on the team but i think games like this make you you know when you see when he starts to uh, fall off again gives him a little bit more cushion with the fan base to some degree yeah and you said you brought up something that it's you almost feel bad saying it in Cardinal circles, but I, I had this fear this year that potentially you could see him just have a really bad year. And maybe you see Yachty, like he kind of started play out that whole year like that. And suddenly you're thinking, man, we've got two guys who just have nothing left on our 26 man. What are we doing? You know, we're, we're just taking up roster spots for legacy players. Well, then tonight they both just shut me up completely. Um, you see Yachty's play over the weekend where he calls the pitch out and just, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, he, he was reading the signs. Um, it was incredible watching the Giants broadcast that Yachty was actually reading the signs from Kapler, knew what was coming. Um, and so, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just, <laughs> you're kind of seeing renewed youth. Um, I had to flip on the game once you mentioned that just to kind of look, and it's funny because you see both the Cardinals and Giants are up on the top step watching this go down, both <laughs> laughing. Um, so what if he gives up a three run shot, uh, you know, they're baseball's meant to be fun and they're having some fun tonight and Hey, it's on ESPN, bring a few fans in. Um, but yeah, I I think we're not going to see the classic Albert that we did, but I think we are going to see flashes of it time to time. And if the Cardinals, they Cardinals may have to be, um, treat him a little bit differently in some cases than they did back in the past and as they do other players. But uh, I do think we'll get to see some history made and some, and some, some memories made. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I was hoping he'd get out with a zero ERA, not so much. Um, but I think that's, you know, again, we talked about, I talked about it some uh, when he signed and there was a little bit of backlash for some people about, uh, about him signing. And I'm like, look, this is about having fun, right? I mean, we we got we want the team to win. We want them to be as competitive as possible. But you know, you've got to enjoy watching them. I mean, you could put a bunch of robots out there, and they might win. But you know, what's the connections to be able to watch these guys have fun, to watch them, you know, you have a little nostalgia, to watch them, you know, try to grab a little bit more of their youth back. It's I think it makes this season perhaps no matter what happens at it a little bit more memorable than, you know, some other 90 win season that doesn't necessarily wind up in a, a title. Yeah. When they signed him, I said, you know, from, from just the analysis standpoint, this doesn't do much for me. Like I don't think it gives the Cardinals any added wins or anything like that. 
the nostalgic side of me was just crazy excited. Just seeing him back with the birds on the bat. Um, this is how it's supposed to end for him. And, and so, yeah, um, he may not, he may not reach the pinnacle numbers that we're thinking with home runs. He may not have a great season, but man, it's just so cool seeing him back in Cardinal uniform. It is absolutely is. The Cardinals take the game 15 to six. Um, maybe Albert needs to work on the curveball a little bit more, but uh, I think it's overall, uh, if you went to the game tonight, you had enjoyable time. If you watched it on TV, you had an enjoyable time. That's that's what baseball is all about. So, uh, David, I appreciate you joining me. I've kept you much longer than I probably should have. But, you know, when you get a Hall of Famer on the mound, you got to go a little <laughs> long. Hey, and we're talking Cardinals baseball. I mean, there's a lot of worse things we could be doing. So uh, I, I enjoy right. this. I've enjoyed this so much. It's, it's a privilege. Um, and, hey, good luck with the rest of the podcast and what you're doing um, and all your podcasts and all your writing. It's, it's good stuff. And I hope people are checking it out. Well, I appreciate I appreciate that. And we'll have you back on again for sure. Um, who knows? You know, if, I don't know when Tara will be back, so I might have to tap you again here pretty soon. We'll see. And hopefully next time you do, we'll win a 15 to 6 game as well. Yeah. Call if if Albert luck, pitches Tara. the next time I'm on, then something weird's going on. <laughs> this is true. All right. Well, until next time for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.